Shut up and sit down. another episode of the superhero movie podcast oh no i said the old title (laughs) oh you drunk Um, again this week i am not drunk again this week no let's do this let's let's uh quick fast quickly 10 second rewind welcome to another episode of the super movie studies podcast community of superhero movie fans teachers and students that intro is going to get changed by next week because i really am not a fan of it uh, people looking to discover more about superhero movies in the world because both are awesome. Nothing wrong with it. Just think it could be better. I'm your comic culture host, Michael Bauer, joined by the movie maestro. James Skyler Houtsma. The scientific scholar. Ben Anderson. And oh, all, every fucking time, Ben. Every time. You you see you his put face. It, you gotta put it in the outline. You I don't look put at it in the outline. I don't look at people's faces. Oh, I look at the outline. Geez. And Joining us today, it is a TV episode, which means there's like a 70% chance he'll show up, are... Don't, don't do that, Mike. David Kleppy. Thank you. Uh, <clears throat> I'm trying, I'm trying hard, alright? I'm, I'm wigged out right now. I, I passed out today. Like, literally, that's what happened. He's um, hopping on Rage Hall. Yeah. What were you doing when you passed out? Uh, Reading. So it wasn't an unhealthy well, pass out, but I didn't have anything to fucking say about it. <laughs> All right. SMSP is your premier movie discussion podcast. Every week we continue our journey exploring our favorite subjects, superhero movies. Every fan sees the movies differently. So we gather some amateur experts to discuss certain aspects of the movie. Whether it's money, comic books, music, one batch, two batch, or science, SMSP talks about it all in this week's episode. Father. Why do I still feel guilty? The guilt means your work is not yet finished. Downtown office thinks we got a new player in Hell's Kitchen. What do they want? The DA's office says the shooter's independent. He's tracking gangs to their home turf and taking them out with military precision. Knowledge and hardware to take out half the city. Hell's Kitchen is about to explode. Bang. Maybe we created him. All of us. There's no connection. We never stopped to think that Daredevil's actions could open the door for men like this. How much longer before innocent people start getting caught in this crossfire? Blood is being shed. And you've donated more than your fair share. The city needs him. I need to take care of the scum that killed my family. People don't have to die. You hit them and they get back up. I hit them and they stay down. Why are you doing this? Because I think you're a half measure. I think you're a man who can't finish the job. I think that you're a coward. You know you're one bad day away from being me. Daredevil Season 2 
And yes, there will be spoilers. Better have seen that season of Daredevil, and who can we rely on to not have seen it? Yeah, I'm about a third of the way through. I'm, I'm, on, I'm on episode five, and, and this kind of ties in with my opinion so far. I just can't get into it. Um, oh. I, I think season one of Daredevil is must-watch. It is, mm-hmm. it is a masterpiece. There's some beautifully shot scenes. The fight choreography is spectacular. Um, there's a lot of really interesting characters. Um, Jessica Jones, brilliantly written, lots of thematic depth, fabulous characters, a fabulous villain. Um, Kilgrave, um, Wilson Fisk, both fabulous villains. I can't get invested in season two of Daredevil mostly because I don't really like the Punisher as a villain. He's just a badass with a grudge. Okay, all right. And it, it, I don't know. The, <clears throat> have you guys seen season four of Arrested Development? <laughs> yeah. This, this is like season four of Arrested Development. Still good, but compared to what came before, you're just like, oh, there's something. There, it has a certain je ne sais quoi, or rather oh, it doesn't. It doesn't have that je ne sais quoi. <laughs> You know, so that that's my opinion. But again, I'm only five episodes in. I'll, I plan on finishing it, but we'll see. Popcorn, uh, popcorn hole. <laughs> uh, popcorn Skyler. <laughs> Thank you. No, I think Daredevil season two definitely has. It suffers from. A, both the original showrunner not returning this time, uh, and a big lack of a central villain, which has been such a strength for the first two uh, Marvel Netflix shows. Uh, I think in them going about making season two, they were like, hey, we got two really great ideas. We're going to do The Punisher, and we're going to do Elektra and the Hand. And both are interesting. I'd say the Punisher probably has the more... He's more of a show-stealer in that the episodes he's in are mostly just a Punisher episode as opposed to Daredevil episode. But they don't really mix together all that well. And there's definitely A, some discord when they try to fit them together and B, by the end of the season it just gets kind of repetitive and boring with 18 identical ninja fights like Ben said, still good I think the cast of this show is terrific and what they're trying to do with the darker tone and world is awesome, but it's definitely an instance of diminishing returns Popcorn David I thoroughly enjoyed season 2 I thought it was as good, if not better, at some times in Season 1. I don't want to take anything away from Season 1 because it was fantastic. But there were certainly some parts of Season 2 that I really enjoyed. Um, I did not particularly like Punisher as a villain. But uh, those times when you got to see Frank Castle's character development, uh, especially I'm thinking of the scene where he's sitting on the rooftop and Daredevil is chained to a chimney or some sort of fixture there, Um, and they're having this whole conversation about Frank Castle and what he's doing and what's going on, I thought that just really added a whole level to the show. And to me, 
uh, he stopped kind of becoming a villain at that point, and he became more of a misguided ally. Uh, but I really definitely thought season two was fantastic. Popcorn, whoever hasn't gone yet? <laughs> You're good at math. Uh, Daredevil season two. What a, you know, what a fun time. All right, all the, like, I'm a little tired of superhero movies, but I am not at all tired by superhero television right now. Not in the slightest. Daredevil season two was a an enjoyable watch all the way through. There, there's everybody finds a spot to talk about when it comes to the fight choreography. They're like, "Do you remember the stairwell scene? Or do, do you remember the in the prison hallway? Like, what kind of TV show has that credibility where you can just be like, remember a certain fight scene in like episode three? Like, people don't really just talk about that. They they usually talk about like the whole villain, right? Or uh, Daredevil. Daredevil is barely part of this show. Let's be honest. <laughs> He's just sort of the the glue for every other character that's way more interesting right now. Because Matt needs to get his shit together uh, <laughs> by the end of the episode. And so you've got this this great Punisher sort of villain at first, and then uh, this chained hospital vagrant. Uh, and then Elektra shows up, and Matt is just constantly dealing with people he wants to help, but who only like to kill other people because the law is flawed. And that's the entire like dichotomy of season two. And then the central villain turns into Nobu by the end of it. And that's when I think like this show could have really elevated itself if it gave us a bit more on Nobu. Because all of the old season one mob bosses that were still alive made an appearance. We saw Wilson Fisk again. Amazing. We saw Madame Gao again. Enjoyable. Owsley is dead. Wesley is dead. The Russians are dead. But we also see Nobu again, who we thought was dead. And now he's like the main central villain. And then, boom, he's gone again. And you're like, son of a bitch. Like, what's the deal with this immortality, this black sky? Is this all just precursor for season three? Where bull, Is Bullseye going to show up? We're waiting. We're waiting for Bullseye. That's what I got to say. <laughs> I, I mostly have questions for season two. I loved it. But I want to ask, I want to know what comes next at this point. Well, what comes next is that the showrunners for this season are heading up the Defenders, where... All of the Marvel Netflix heroes get together Avengers style. And that'll probably be next year at some point. Uh, yeah, we got to memorize the order of this because I'm pretty sure Avengers is coming before Iron Fist at this point. Uh, the schedule got mixed around, right? Next is Luke Cage, and then we're going to get Jessica Jones Season 2, and that'll lead into Avengers, and then we'll get Iron Fist. No, actually, um, Iron Fist is filming right now. It's probably about half the way done, and they're looking for an early 2017 release, so it'll be Luke Cage in September, then Iron Fist early next year, and at that point, probably The Defenders before uh, Jessica Jones. It's not clear right now, because Kristen Ritter has said, oh yeah, they're filming right next to each other, and it's like, mm. I don't, I don't know what that means. Yeah, <laughs> this gets a ways out. Stuff. Yeah, it's it'll it'll all work out, and we're gonna get. It, you guys take your time. You know, you're doing so great. 
I don't want to rush you. I want you guys are doing fantastic. Yeah. Oh, another thing I forgot to mention in that schedule, uh, it's been announced that the Punisher is getting his own Netflix series, so that'll be down the pipeline before too long. Are we getting Moon Knight too? <laughs> at that point. <laughs> um, basically, the rumor is that uh, Marvel Netflix wants to start using three characters: Blade, Moon Knight, and Ghost Rider in the future. Oh my god! Ghost Rider! Ghost Rider! Ghost Rider! <laughs> Bring back Nick Cage! Bring back Nick Cage! <laughs> the fourteen-year-old boy in me just jumped up with excitement. I am a hundred percent on board. <laughs> what else is Nick Cage doing, really? <laughs> All right. Let's get back to Daredevil Season 2 here with some... Uh, we'll move right past money stats. Nothing real there to talk about. And Netflix ratings. Netflix is killing Nielsen rating system. Uh, we don't really have an accurate way of measuring that shit right now outside of subscribers. We're not behind the doors of Netflix, and they're not releasing their info as publicly as the Nielsen ratings. Yeah, no uh, ratings info on this one. Like, even Jessica Jones got some leaked info, but Daredevil Season 2, basically the story was, yeah, a lot of people watched it. Um, as far as other kinds of ratings, I believe it has about a 75% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, based on... Let me see here with my faulty slowing. Oh, excuse me. It's actually at 86. It was at 75 when it first came out. But now it's up to 86. Yeah. The second half is a little bit stronger than the first half of Daredevil. True. Very, uh, just a little bit. Um, and then it dips down again, and then it comes right back up for that end. Okay, yeah. so let's talk characters, all right? Comic book characters. That premiered. That's part of the podcast. <laughs> right here. Yes. Uh, and we've got the story of Daredevil is deals with Punisher, kind of an origin story. Nothing we haven't really seen from Punisher in three previous Punisher films. Uh, so there's no real need to go into that. And then after that, we deal with the hand. Uh, and I'll, let's see, do I even have notes on the hand? I don't. Oh, that's because I'm going to uh, talk more about them in Elektra next week? Yes. Can't wait for that movie. All right, so the first character I want to talk about is Roscoe Sweeney. He is also known as The Fixer. Premiered in Daredevil number one, 1964, by Stan Lee, Jack Kirby, and Bill Everett. So this is the premier Daredevil comic book. This is where all of his side characters pretty much get introduced. But Roscoe Sweeney uh, is famous as he worked for he worked as a crooked fight promoter under the alias Fixer. Great name if you're trying to keep your identity secret. Uh, he paid Jack Murdoch, Battle and Jack Murdoch, to take a fall, and when Jack backed out of that and won his fight instead, for any number, uh, mostly to make Matt proud of him, Sweeney put a hit on him, and that's where we, who we see in the television show. Yeah. This is also the plot of Pulp Fiction. Yes. Ish. Yes, no, completely. No, no little child in Pulp Fiction. Uh, that's Bruce Willis's kid. Not that we that see. <laughs> um, and the kid didn't run into radioactive material. So this, of course, led to the creation of Daredevil after Battle and Jack gets shot, and Daredevil finds out about it, and he's blind, and he's got all these superpowers, and he just needs some training. He's going to fight in Hell's Kitchen 
so that no one has to lose their dad ever again. Uh, one of Daredevil's first missions was hunting down Sweeney, and when he confronted him, Roscoe had a fatal heart attack and fell onto some subway tracks from which Matt rescued his body. <laughs> Roscoe did indeed die from that heart attack. Oh, okay. Yes. Uh, but Matt was like, oh, I could let his body get disembembered on this railroad, but you know what? He's even he's not even worth it. So let's 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 go pick him up cuz I'm better than this. I would, I would just I would just make a inconvenient mess for some poor subway worker. Yeah. Um and you know, we saw Roscoe show up in the television show in interrogation mode between him and Electra and uh there was a subway death in the beginning of the Daredevil movie. So ooh. All right, that's, I'm I'm digging a little too deep into this shit. Next character, <laughs> Melvin Potter. Uh, granted, he premiered in season one, but we're talking about him now. Premiered in Daredevil number 18, 1966. Stan Lee and John Ramita, uh, Ramita Sr. He's a costume designer turned into a career criminal for some reason. In the television show, you just see him as this sort of friend of Daredevil who designs his costumes for free because Daredevil promises protection for Betty. Uh, yeah, what does he do all day, seriously? Yeah, so here's a little background on Melvin, because I had to look this up. I was very curious. He designs a super suit uh, and uses the code name Gladiator until Daredevil beats the snot out of him uh, a couple of times. Melvin reforms and teams up with Daredevil and Elektra to fight the hand, uh, even becoming an advocate for preventing youth from becoming costume criminals. Uh, he is currently locked up after going on a murderous rampage that almost had him killing his wife, Betty, and four-year-old child, Mia. But, I mean, it, 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 it was made to look that he actually went insane again, but really he was poisoned by a villain named Mr. Fear. Um, I thought Melvin Potter was crazy and that Betty wasn't a real thing, like just this sort of fictional, because that's how he talked in season one. Betty apparently is a real person. It's Betsy. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. It's Betsy. Uh, next character, Stick. Daredevil number 176, 1981, written and drawn by Frank Miller. So basically, what he is on the show to a T. Uh, Daredevil's trainer, a blind sensei, later revealed to have a deeper connection with a group of warriors called the Chaste who are in an internal battle with the hand, trained Electra, and kind of an abusive prick. Uh, having read the uh, comic book that he debuted in recently, it's kind of pretty amusing because at that point in the story, Daredevil had lost his powers because of some, I don't know, <laughs> mixture of an explosion and self-doubt. But he's <laughs> down stick, and yes, he's an asshole, and then he basically trains Matt to go on a trippy, awful LSD-infused uh, nightmare vision to get his powers back, which I'm really sad we missed out on. Yeah, really. And But I'm so surprised as I thought he was kind of a Daredevil number one character, but like he was kind of retconned into Daredevil's origin. Next character, Claire Temple. Finally, we're going to talk about Claire Temple. I'm sorry I haven't talked about her before. Because she's kind of a complex character. The, the, the title, the name Claire Temple character premiered in Luke Cage, Hero for Hire, number two, 
1972 by Archie Goodwin and George Tuska. So Dr. Claire Temple was a physician that treated Luke Cage's injuries one night and wound up kidnapped by a guy who dressed like a snake. The outline says snack. Yeah, I, I read that and I went, that's not right. Uh, <laughs> it's a bag of Cheetos. <laughs> Chester the Cheetah. Bet's, Betty got abducted by a snack. Baby Ruth. Yeah. <laughs> um, there needs to be a candy brigade of villains, you know. <laughs> I would watch. Uh, ooh, yeah, I would watch that. The Junk Jams or something. I don't know. Uh, the, the Junkie Juvies? The Junk Food Juvies. Uh, <laughs> no. No. One of the most prominent um, Thor stories where Loki debuted uh, features a plot by him to turn everyone into candy. <laughs> so, Dr. Claire Temple, uh, she's kidnapped by a snake guy. I believe it's one of the Serpent Society, Cottonmouth. And Luke Cage rescues her. Uh, that snake man dies. She falls in love with Luke Cage with a fleeting romance, as comic books are. Like, it was it was probably meant to last a long time, and then they just they, the characters have been around so long that it's really hard to keep a character with one significant other and the mcu version of temple is based on elements of this character dr claire temple and also a character called night nurse and night nurse is a title held by women various women with no super powers but specialized in taking care treating healing injured superheroes uh, part of a comic book run in the, I think, 70s, where a bunch of comic book writers' wives were sort of drafted by Stan Lee to come up with uh, different titles that would appeal to women. Uh, they came out with three. I can't remember the other two, but I remember Night Nurse for sure was one of them. And, you know, they didn't really sell that well. Uh, but Night Nurse has managed. I think she's back with a new comic, too. So now we move on. To the final character, Karen Page. Again, a lot of characters I missed out on season one. Uh, I didn't, I didn't talk about a lot of characters on season one. I'm not really quite sure remembering what the hell I did for my section, because <laughs> uh, I missed all of these people. Karen, uh, Karen Page premiered in Daredevil number one, 1964. Lee Kirby and Everett. So Karen Page, this lady has been through some some shit. All right. She, she is hired by Foggy Nelson to be Nelson and Murdoch's secretary, and she instantly falls in love or infatuated with Matt, who warms up to her as well. Unfortunately, it turns out that her father is a supervillain called Death's Head, who specializes in cobalt bombs. Uh, ben, help me out. What's a cobalt bomb? Cobalt is an element. You don't want to lick it. <laughs> Okay. Uh, Daredevil fights this villain, and in mid-battle, Karen becomes endangered by a cobalt bomb, which triggers Death's head paternal instincts to kick in, and he soaks that bomb, killing himself in order to save his daughter. Uh, his He had a real name. Dr. Paxton Page went crazy. For, everybody goes crazy for dumb reasons in the 60s. Right after that, Matt reveals that he is Daredevil to Karen, because holy shit, who keeps secret identities nowadays? 
what followed in Karen's life was she went to California. She moved to California uh, later to pursue her dream to become an actress. And she was met with mild success, a daytime soap opera here, a radio show host there, only to be followed by severe tragedy that would push her back to New York, such as a drug addiction to heroin, selling Matt's identity to a drug dealer to get said heroin, or a career in pornography to pay for heroin. And also, much later, even a elaborate plot that had her take an STD test in order to reveal that she was HIV positive, which she wasn't, but still, she was told that she was HIV positive, and she believed it, and that's messed up enough, in all honesty. Read Guardian Devil by Kevin Smith uh, <laughs> if you would like to know what Karen Page is up to today. Uh, it's a fun read. <laughs> Just nothing good has happened to Karen Page in the last 30 years, except this TV show. Yeah, really. Uh, and even then, she started off with like a framed murder, and that's not fun. No. That'd be, that'd be pretty stressful. <laughs> and now she's just an investigative journalist who can't figure out that Matt is Daredevil. Yeah, well, didn't he? He eventually told her. Kind of. Yo, spoilers, some of us haven't seen the show yet. Uh, sorry. Uh, we although she was... doesn't know, like, come on. <laughs> you are so sick, Ben. <laughs> I, I, I have a cold. <laughs> I got I got about four hours of sleep the past three nights. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, okay? I'm I'm fine. Are you sure? I'm. I need water. I'm gonna go get water. I'll be right back. You can do music section. Okay. Uh, so we're all finished up with comic books. Uh, we're gonna move on to Sky Guys section, right? Boom boom. Right, right, right. Which is going to be a very short section because, well, uh, due to this schism between. Marvel TV and Marvel Film, uh, two people, two different people run each one, and the person who runs Marvel TV is kind of a stingy ass, so we don't have official soundtracks for both Daredevil Season 2 and uh, Jessica Jones, which I had mentioned earlier, so as I said, late segment this time. Uh, music for Daredevil Season 2 is done by returning composer John Paisano. I believe if you go back and listen to our Season 1 episode, I gave him some incorrect first name, so I apologize, John Paisano. You're, you're so cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> forgive me. Um, he's a composer of, as I said, Season 1, and he, I believe he's also known for the Maze Runner series of films. Uh, basically, the only clip I have today that I could find that didn't have audio dubbed into it is the um, new theme that was composed for The Punisher, uh, which is also a very grungy, angry-sounding uh, theme that I wish we could hear more of if we had an official release. But let's take a listen to what I could dig up.
to throw that onto the track on, you know, communions, wedding receptions. <laughs> just, just lovely. Lovely uh, So I, we might have to revisit the whole uh, Marvel's television music, like just devote a whole freaking episode to this because, man, it's going to be a while till those things come out, right? Why isn't Jessica Jones out by now? Uh, I have no idea. I'm basically my theory at this point is that it would cost too much money and have you know not enough returns to release mm. the uh, the albums, which I think is probably actually just bullshit. But, <laughs> but well, I mean, who buys music nowadays besides you? Well, yeah, besides me, I don't even know. Um, <laughs> and while we're asking that, why the hell haven't these shows come out on DVD or Blu-ray yet? Who buys DVDs and Blu-rays besides you? Uh, because they're always available on Netflix, and they're like, like, has Netflix? Here's a good question: Has Netflix ever taken down any of their own content? I don't think they have taken down any of their own original shows. Yeah, those remain. So. Yeah, like those have cycled through. What was the first Netflix original? Lilyhammer. House of Cards. No, Lilyhammer came out long before House of Cards did. Oh. Uh, oh my god, you will look that up. Lily Hammer came out in like 2010. Um, okay, here we go. <laughs> well, we're going to come back to that, because I like that question, even though it has nothing to do with what we're talking about. But we're going to give Skylar something to do for a little bit. Right. Uh, <laughs> okay. okay. Guys. Yes? Shut the fuck up. <laughs> What's wrong? House of Cards premiered February 1st, 2013. Uh-huh. That is the first... Netflix original, whatever. Then what Thank is Lilyhammer? Oh wait, oh man, this is all this is all fucked up. Oh yeah, it is Lilyhammer, February six, two thousand twelve. Boom, check a I, I went on to uh, I went on to Wikipedia, looked up list of original programs distributed by Netflix. It's sorted by genre. Oh, there was not one huge list of everything. So House of Cards was the first drama. Oh. <laughs> Lily yeah. Hammer isn't considered a drama? What the hell is it? Seriously. Uh, it is considered an in-partnership. Because <laughs> it wasn't Netflix, Netflix. It was Netflix uh, and NRK okay. from Norway. All right. Fair. Okay. We'll, we'll, go, we'll, we'll go halvesies on that correct yeah. answer. So... Uh, speaking of uh, great research skills, Ben, uh, can we can we talk yes, a little bit more you. about different research topics in the oh. science section? Yeah, all my great research skills, where I look at what the outline and then do a do a Wikipedia. <laughs> you and... can interpret the information much faster than any of us can. <laughs> okay, fair. Oh my God, are you drinking a coffee? I'm drinking water out of a coffee carafe because it's the only container I had in my office. <laughs> That's badass. And it's pretty badass. Uh, it's a, get well soon. Um, uh, hopefully. Uh, I don't. Uh, it looks like David's drinking out of a flower vase. Uh, is that a Purell bottle? Uh, is that <laughs> that's mouthwash bottle? <laughs> <laughs> okay. You're you're allowed to explain yourself. I'm not actually drinking out of it. Oh, okay. I just—he drank out of something weird, and I was like, "Oh, quick! What's the weirdest thing?" <laughs> oh, look, an empty mouthwash bottle. Drunk on Listerine, I yeah. Think I have it. Oh, that's funny. 
All uh, right. So let's, uh, you said you had some hot shit for masking heartbeats, so we want to save that? I, I got I got I did not I do not have hot shit I have good shit right here. <laughs> oh, sorry. All right. Um, okay. Well, ex- explain your masking heartbeats thing. Okay. How it All appears right. in the show because I don't know what that is. Well, when the ninjas start showing up by the uh, the second half of the season, and the ninjas pose a challenge to Matt because they're able to mask their heartbeats, and so he can't really and they're very stealthy you can't really hear them as they're coming so like they're he's practically fighting blind he can't literally he can't see them smell them hear them until he has to like focus on the weapons that they're holding and the sounds that those make so i'm wondering how is it possible to like mask your heartbeat can you can you like lower the sound of it is that even a real thing what's the deal well um i don't know anything about like Daredevil's like supernaturally sensitive to sound, and so like I imagine there's a way you could like have a suit that like absorbs like the pulses, whatever, um, and like mutes them just by having like some kind of have, by the material of whatever their suits are made of blocking sound. Um, but I was looking up how to heart- mask your heartbeat, and I found this website that makes hunting clothing um and what they they have this thing and it's totally gimmicky and probably bullshit uh but they say hey um whenever your heart beats there's a little blip of electrical energy like in an ekg electrocardiogram or whatever it's called yes yeah and so they're like hey so we built this suit that um basically it's a it's a carbon fiber weave in embedded in the in the suit and like the the grid on the door of your microwave it'll take the little blip of electric energy and disperse it so that animals can't detect your heartbeat i am so bummed right now that we didn't have a legion of ninjas going around in camouflage <laughs> in like... hunting gear <laughs> you can't see me instead they wore red i mean what the hell i mean yeah just just get some camel but uh I don't know, it's probably bullshit, but hey, people are, you know, marketing this, so there you go. So it must be true. It must be true. For um, someone. Someone, yeah. Is that all you had? You didn't want to talk about meditation, lowering heart rate, and anything like that? Oh, uh, yeah, you can, you can absolutely, through meditation, lower your heart rate significantly. I don't know if it would make it quiet, <laughs> necessarily. <laughs> um, and, and certainly... If Daredevil can detect the heart rate of someone at rest, he could detect of someone the detect the heart rate of like a ninja being active with a much higher, heavier heart rate. So if he what, can't hear of it, there must be something about what they're wearing that mutes it. Uh what if what if it's special training? Like, you know, they're able to meditate like high levels of concentration. Oh. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I don't know. Okay. Well, I don't... <laughs> You're so good at this. Uh, I'm, I'm I the next one's even better. Okay, let's go with the next one. All right. Uh, and I just wrote down, how deep can one dig into the earth? Because okay. they talked about... Uh, did you get to that part? No, because you haven't gotten no. to Ninja yet. Episode 5. There's a big-ass hole. Okay. Um, they dig a big-ass hole. Does anyone really remember how big this hole was? Was it 40 stories? David, do you recall? 
That's a big asshole. Yeah, uh, nice. Uh, <laughs> and so, um, like, it's part of the hands super secret mystical plot, whatever that no explanation for. And I'm curious is how like how hard is it to deep di- dig into the earth? Like, when do you start getting resistance? Like, how far can you actually dig? before, like, shit breaks. I never really had that fully explained to me. I know that, like, stuff starts to melt and that Earth gets really dense at the bottom. Right, yes. So, um, as, as you dig into the Earth's crust, the temperature gets hot faster than you'd think. And and I, 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 got, I got these topics about, you know, the 15 minutes between getting off work and getting ready to podcast... Uh, so I was only able to look up, um, hopefully it's still interesting, the deepest hole ever drilled into the Earth's surface. Um, Your mom? All right, sorry. I had... Go! <laughs> <laughs> All right, that probably sounds like shit. Uh, Ow! It's fine. Um, anyway, but uh, the Soviets uh, in... The 80s, uh, 1987, no, 1970, 70s and 80s, for whatever reason, decided to uh, drill as deep as they could, and they went for it. They're, they're, they were hoping to start drilling in uh, 1970 and hope to get to uh, 49,000 feet um, by 1993. How many... Is how many miles is forty nine thousand feet? So that's about nine point three miles. But they got to about where they stopped uh, in nineteen eighty nine. They reached a depth of uh, forty thousand two hundred and thirty feet. So about seven seven and a little over seven and a half miles, which is substantial. That's pretty deep. And the the depth at that temperature at that um at the temperature at that depth was uh, 356 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh wow! Okay. Which is real hot. So they like it was so deep that their drill bit would not work because it would melt. Oh my god! Uh, well, so, so how far were they from like core? So Earth is real deep. The crust of the Earth is between right around 70 miles. So they made it about 10% of the way through the crust. Oh. Which is like the, like the skin of an apple. Oh, jeez. Wow. Well, like, the Earth is really hot. Why aren't we just like digging that energy up? Damn. That's geothermal energy. Mm-hmm. Holy Sink some crap. pipes into the ground, pump water through them, use the heat in the... In the and you don't have to go that far down to, for it to be warm enough to power a generator. Um, that's geothermal energy, using that that heat that you get to when you dig down mm-hmm. to power a generator. So uh, the hole brings up another question, a uh, couple questions. So it, it's a it's a 40-story deep hole is about what they say, about 400 feet deep. Yeah, that's not that deep. Um, it's it's pretty deep for being in the middle of Manhattan and nobody knows about it. Yes. Uh, because that would like create a size, uh, a skyscraper size, like uh, a mountain of dirt. That where the hell did all that dirt go? Well, have you have you seen Shawshank Redemption? Oh, they just they just everywhere. they just spread it around Central Park. 
They just had like a little baby thrown into their jeans, and then they're like, oh, okay, we're just dusting. That's also very deep, considering they had to mask their heartbeats the entire time they dug it. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't know, and it's very wide, it's very cavernous, it's, it's like a city block wide, not city block, that's way too big, at the, the, like a face of a building wide. Yeah. Like your mom. Yeah, fuck <laughs> you. Uh, so, we're talking, we're, I, I think we're, we're solid on deep holes, um, yep. and how they affect people, uh, and, and how, how, how deep you can just drill a hole in, uh, yes. in, in, into something. Into endo. <laughs> into an endo. In, in, innuendo. Yeah, I tried. No, no, yeah, into an endo. Uh, but then, you know, that's a little, yeah. that is a little weak. Yeah. <laughs> I have the weirdest boner right now. <laughs> uh, so let's get on to our final section of the night. I want to talk to David. About some health and law stuff. Hi. Oh, eyebrow. You keep, like, we did this last time, okay? You need to understand, this is no visual aspect of this show. You can't just make I, faces, I, raise I eyebrows. I understand that. I understand that. And the reason I do it is to make you mad. Ah, uh, you bumfuck. Okay. <sighs> Don't give me that face. All right, All right. Let's, let's talk some uh, health issues from this show. All right. Um, um, what very fascinating one? Go ahead. You go ahead. No, you go ahead because you have you more of a ahead. plan than I do. <laughs> um, so a couple couple topics of note that I I really wanted to bring up with you, uh, and I know we discussed off air, but now we're on air. Is at one point, Punisher takes a power drill to the foot, and it's very painful to look at and watch. Uh, cause you're like that would really freaking hurt, cause a corkscrew just kind of went through your leg. Uh, and I'm wondering, he he starts to walk pretty fine, not too far after. How long does it take to recover from an injury like that? Um, so with foot injuries, one of the biggest factors is pain, because if you don't know a lot about the nervous system of the human body, a lot of nerves actually run into your feet and connect to the rest of your body. That's why um, foot massage is really helpful, and when you have, like, a long day at work, your feet tend to hurt. It's not necessarily because it's hard to stand on them. It's because the fatigue from your whole body tends to funnel itself to the nerve endings in your feet, if that makes sense. So when you injure your foot, it hurts a lot, and that's one of the biggest problems. Um, So the fact that he can walk on it means he's pretty tough, to say the least. I think he's probably tougher (laughs) than I am. Um, uh, if there's bone injury, uh, for a foot, since you walk on it, uh, bones tend to take six to 12 weeks to fully heal. Um, and then a puncture wound. Um, and that's, that's if the power drill doesn't, you know, rip out all the stuff. That's if it's just pretty much a straight stab kind of a thing. Uh, that's still going to take four to six weeks to heal up because it's on the foot and you walk on it and that's kind of a pain in the butt. So he's looking at at least eight weeks probably before his foot is feeling pretty much normal. So for quite a while there, he's walking in probably a lot of pain. May I may I add, I haven't seen the show. It took me to realize that you're talking about like a literal power drill like you'd buy at Menards and not a wrestling move. 
<laughs> oh shit, that's good. <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 a serious power drill that just goes right into his foot, and it's uh, pretty crazy. I guess a I guess a power drill the wrestling move to the foot would also be pretty painful. <laughs> yes, Pro- probably would would break something and have a six to twelve week recovery time. <laughs> The show notes originally said it was a corkscrew to the foot, which just sounds <laughs> tedious. Uh, <laughs> it's a corkscrew drill. I mean, isn't it? Uh, You're just in there cranking on a corkscrew for like 30 <laughs> seconds. Hold on. Hold that, on. Sounds even, that sounds Hold even on, worse I'm somehow. Yeah. Real bad, Frank. You just got to give me time quick, all right? <laughs> sitting there cranking on it. You've got those steel-toed boots, man. No. Stop. It's a power drill. And we're assuming it was about on drilling into people's feet. I'm getting squeamish. We're, we're assuming it was on full power, guys. So, <laughs> ooh, God! Every time you come on the show, last time it was stitches. Now this it's gross. This. Uh, it's always stitches. Can we talk about? Oh, I've gotten stitches since Daredevil season one, and it was gross. <laughs> was it everything, David? Guys, no joke. My seven-year-old nephew got stitches last year. Um, so, I mean, he would have been like six at the time, obviously. And he was going to get stitches, and my sister and my brother-in-law cannot handle medical stuff. So they're like, David, you're coming, and you're going to tell him what happens. And I'm like, great. So I kind of explained it the same way. Like, you know, it's kind of like shoelaces for your skin. Stop and it. he was like, oh. He was like, oh, that makes perfect sense. Six-year-old kid took it like a champion. <laughs> Not not a problem. And you guys, I mentioned it one time, and you're like, oh. <laughs> it's gross. I, I watched him put it in. I was like, this is fascinating, but morbid curiosity. <laughs> okay, let's get on to the next topic. A uh, little bit more tibid, a uh, little bit more fleshy. Um, it, how 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 long can Frank Castle's face be that fucked up? Cause it's fucked up since like, since that beating really that he took in interrogation, it never it's never fully recovered since then. Yeah. So, um, with contusions or bruises, you basically have two to three days for the bruise to turn like that purple black color. Within hours, it, they'll start turning bluish and a little bit dark from the initial red, um, which is when blood fills the area of skin that's injured. Um, so within two to three days, it'll turn purple, which is why on the show you see his face look pretty much, uh, there's a lot of purple and black and really dark bruises on his face. Um, the thing is that usually within seven to 10 days, those bruises will start changing to green and then to yellow. And that's basically the healing process. That's what bruises look like through the whole healing process. They go from red to blue, purple, black, to green, to yellow. Um, and then that green is going to come at 7 to 10 days, and it might be a little dark, but usually around day 15, they're all going to be gone. Like that that, that uh, really dark is going to be gone. It's going to be green and into yellow. So um, for someone's face to stay that bruised for, I guess, I'm not quite sure what the time frame is of the show, but for someone's face to stay that darkly bruised for that long, you need to get several beatings in, uh, which obviously does happen. He gets hit many times in the <laughs> He's show. Beat up a lot. <laughs> yeah. One thing to consider is that bruises, a lot of heavy bruising, is usually an indication of fracturing and bone breaks. So 
he probably has broken bones in his faces. And face broken bones tend to heal kind of weird and stuff. You can tell from the beginning of the show that he has that little bit of a uh, a hook in his nose or bump in his nose, which probably means he had a broken nose. You know, all kinds of stuff like that. So he probably is not going to look the exact same afterwards. Um, and he could have some structural problems, um, things like uh, breaking your jaw. Even if it fixes, your jaw is never quite the same. Breaking your nose, your nose is never quite the same. So um, that's another thing that probably would be a concern if Frank Castle was a real person, um, <laughs> would be that he has a lot of fractures in his face too. Very fascinating. Let's move on to the last topic then. Because uh, you're not all healthy, we do a little law. There's a lot of lawyering going on in this show, and you know a lot of TV shows like to play that stuff straight by the book because they know they'll get called out on it. So you can't really poke holes in a fair amount of it. Uh, they also manipulate it. You know, like Frank Castle tries to go to jail. Like it's not like the jury convicted him on, or like there's false evidence and all that. You know, courtroom dramas. They've been around a long time. Uh, but I want to know is there's a big plot point of a DA cover-up, uh, DA Reyes, and, and, and that's some high-level corruption, I got to say, is when a, when a DA covers up like a, a citizen's injury report, like a family gets murdered and like nobody talks about it, really. She's a better villain than Nobu was. Yeah, real, honestly, DA Reyes is probably one of the, uh, certainly for Foggy, because um, we uh, actually got to see Foggy butt heads with someone. Although... Um, Reyes has not come back to life yet, so I still got to give the edge to Nobu. <laughs> he's got he's got a chance um, <laughs> to come back again. No, yeah, he no, he back doesn't. <laughs> you think? Um, he, he got he got really killed this time, guys. <laughs> really killed. Okay, so district attorney cover-ups um, or scandals, I guess, uh, since the ones we know about haven't really been properly covered up, obviously. Um, they kind of happen all the time. Um, pretty much anyone from low-level politics all the way up to high-level politics, there's always people in trouble for something or other. Uh, one of the best examples uh, is actually pretty well-known. Um, if you've seen the show Making a Murder on Netflix, uh, the district attorney who got the conviction of Stephen Avery, who... Um, was the defendant in that case. The district attorney, his name was uh, Ken Kratz, and he he obviously was a, was a pretty high-level attorney at that point. He was the district attorney. Um, he wasn't some associate or something like that. He was the district attorney for that district, and uh, he got caught because of that show in this sexting scandal where he was uh, prosecuting a domestic abuse case, which was a different case from Stephen Avery. They, the, the two cases don't actually have anything to do with each other, but it was a domestic abuse case, and he was sending uh, sexually explicit photos and text messages to the wife of the defendant from that case and saying, I don't know why you're with this guy. You should be with me. I make $350,000 a year. I have the $6 million house. You know, I'm the prize. I'm the person you should be after. Um, and she was not having any of it. She was really mad, but then he kind of leveraged his position in the case against her so that she wouldn't say anything. Um, and uh, he 
So he obviously attempted to cover that whole thing up, but then it was um, uncovered later on. Um, I'm not I'm not fully sure about how it was uncovered, but uh, he did he did definitely try to cover it up, and he has basically been discredited completely at this point, mostly because <laughs> of that. Mostly not because of the Stephen Avery stuff. Uh, Stephen Avery stuff shined a light towards him. Yeah. yeah. And then, no, the Stephen Avery case actually, like, even though there's a lot of varying opinions about it and stuff, and we actually had one of the defense attorneys come here to Minnesota State to talk to us about it, um, which was really cool. Uh, even though there's a lot of different opinions and stuff, that case wouldn't do anything against Ken Kratz's career. Whether he got the conviction or not, it probably wouldn't have affected his career too much. He did get the conviction, um, or, yeah, the conviction. It was uh, a pretty high-profile case in the area, so I think that actually did give him some good publicity at the time. Um, but obviously that all was blown over by the fact that he was sending nudies to <laughs> the defendant's wife in a domestic abuse case. Mm. Yeah, I've only made it about five episodes into Making a Murderer, and even then, like, that guy is just the ickiest, <laughs> most corrupt cartoon of a person I could have ever imagined. The show does, um, I've seen it myself, um, and the show does kind of paint him in a poor light because he wasn't really cooperating with them making the show. He didn't really want them to make the show. Uh, so, you know, as a district attorney, he didn't really help them along. He didn't really cooperate a lot. So I think the people making the film kind of saw him as this cartoony bad guy district attorney, and they paint him in that light a little bit. But, yeah, obviously he was a sleazeball. So uh, that's a pretty good example of someone who has basically the same political level as Reyes, Um committing some sort of a scandal and trying to cover it up. So I think I thought that was a pretty good example for what's going on. Mm, thank you. Not exactly murder, but you know what? Not everything can be murder. Uh, <laughs> which is totally cool. Just career murder. Just <laughs> There you go. Thanks. Also, um, it's totally uncool to send unsolicited no, I was totally cool that it images. wasn't murder. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay, I was, let me clarify that. Yes. Dear God. I'm going to get like, sued or lynched in this sh show. Sexual harassment is never okay. No, never. Um, Mike, why you... would you endorse sexual harassment? <laughs> How dare you? you? publicly endorse that on this show? We all heard it. All of you I'm in the in, audience, you heard I'm it. I'm embarrassed too. to be associated Mike with you, you sexist pig. Also, Skyler's is racist. Wants us Mike wants us to sexually harass people. That's what he just said. You heard it from the horse's mouth. <laughs> Rewind the tape. Rewind the tape. Hashtag trigger warning. Uh, okay. Skylar's here. Hi. <laughs> okay. Looks like that'll wrap it up today, super fans. Uh, super Movie Studies is recorded and produced by the uh, not famous at all Triop Cop Productions. Um, Ben, tell us what they should do if they like us. Y'all should visit us on iTunes. Give us a good rating. We really appreciate all of your feedback. Uh, and high ratings on iTunes puts us up in the search ranks. And we want people to hear this. And 
you guys, hopefully, if you're listening to this, want other people to hear it too. Um, so it would mean it would mean the world to us if you gave us a good ranking on iTunes. Um, All right. And also, we got that tryopcop.com, our official yeah. website. Uh, so the website's up, and we should have some more show notes for you by now. And um, we need you guys to do a test for us on the website. Uh, and we don't know if our PayPal button is working. Um, so you just gotta go to the you know donate now if you like this kind of thing and 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 you know just uh, put in like a, a dollar and just you know you'll get an email notification and um, we'll 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 keep the dollar just but uh, we gotta know if <laughs> do that fifteen or twenty times just to make sure yeah just to make sure that button's working the way yeah. it should because I can't tell um and I can't uh, uh, yeah just make sure that it's working. <laughs> Okay, um, it's a such a sleazy way to ask for um, money. <laughs> you can do the ratings for free. Uh, we just are just like, hey, you know, it's like a hundred bucks a year for us to have hosting costs, and if I could just reach that within a year, then I'll take the button down. because <laughs> uh, I really, uh, it doesn't it feel weird to ask for donations? Help me out here. Like I feel as if there's no good way to do that. It's a it's a little odd, but we're doing this for free. And if people wanna people wanna give us a little something something in return, you know there are um there are worse outlets slash radio stations to uh, that <laughs> beg for money, basically you know four times a year every day, and uh, <laughs> we're not we're not as annoying as them. So yeah, we should get a pledge drive. I think I think it feels a little uncomfortable to ask for it, but if People, there, there will be a lot of people who listen to your show who want to give something and want to help you guys out, even if it's only a little bit. And if a bunch of people want to give you a little bit to help you guys out, then there's no harm in asking because if they want to do it, they will do it. And if they don't want to do it, then they won't do it. So yeah. We're not going to shut down the show. Hopefully. Who care? Yeah. Yeah, who we've, been, we've been doing this for free for a year. If we get money, that's just so, money. <laughs> so give this show money. And then sexually harass people. Yeah. No. Sweet, no. No, no, no. <laughs> no. He just tanked that whole... Oh, my God. Oh, God. Skylar, close us out. All right. Uh, SMSP is also on Twitter. Our boy Twitter Tom keeps things popping there. At Super M Studies. Follow us there. Send your questions, comments... Money, I don't know. Just keep, <laughs> keep up to, with us there. It's fun. Yeah, that's where you ask uh, the straight-up questions. Uh, okay, that'll do it today. I'm your host, Michael Maurer. James Gather-Hudsma. Ben Anderson. And David Clappy. And I hope you all have a super week. Bye. Anytime. time.